This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. Somehow on my phone, where all the communication is through texts, Adam Mandel's number was identified as Mike Breen's. It is possible that Mike Breen has never talked to me in my life. It's possible. Because I thought it was Adam Mandel. It's possible that Mike Breen... It's definite that Mike Breen didn't send the golf balls. It's possible that Mike Breen, who who has now undoubtedly been told that Kornheiser thanked you for the golf balls, is looking at someone saying, what are you talking about? The Tony Kornheiser Show is on... Now, Michael is sitting six feet, one inches away from me, properly social distanced and is angry. He's going to be angry all day. I want to because he had to pick up the bagels today and and had an an incident with a person who was I'm not proud of myself behaving badly. The person was intruding upon space and intruding upon the Bethesda bagel store. But anyway, I I just want to get to a couple of things. You said that, could you repeat that thing about maybe on the phone, your your cautionary tale about Adam Mandela and no, maybe? No, just sometimes your phone will add maybe if it's able to pull a name and add that name to the phone number that it thinks it should apply to. So this and is this the phone's intelligence. Yes. This is the phone's intelligence on its own. Yes. It and is intruding it- into your life on its own. Under the guise of well, helping you. Well, it might you. read through your through your email signature, oh, Tony's phone number is we believe to be. Okay. Maybe. This is sent to us from maybe Tony Beeson in Cincinnati, Ohio, who, as we know, has what? A piano. He has piano. a piano. I have a piano. I have a text story involving the dubious maybe messaging. I received a text one day which was labeled maybe Linda. Since that just so happens to be the name of the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, I replied with a hearty, hey, sweetie. As it turns out, it was not my wife, but rather an important customer of mine who just so happens to be named Linda as well. I quickly had visions of my career in flames and felt about as low as a starting quarterback who goes poo-poo potty on national television. But after profusely apologizing, the customer who was not that Linda graciously laughed it off. Whew. Never trust the maybe texts. I have a Mike Breen story that I'll get to in a little while. I wanted to clear up a few other things first on email. This comes from Maria Schwab, and this may be the end of her husband and her brother-in-law and the, the um, toasts, if you recall that text chain. Over the past two years, you've read emails, two weeks rather, over the past two weeks, you've read emails from both my attractive but not so clever husband and my clever but not so attractive brother-in-law. It's a devastating <laughs> line. They're both feeling pretty high and mighty these days, thanks to you. I figured I'd try my luck at it and write you my first email. I'll keep it brief as I don't want you to immediately regret reading this and picking the third email in two weeks to share from this unruly crew. It is true that Mark's speech killed at our wedding. It absolutely did. And it's true that their dad took more heat than my husband did for being a Subaru and Mazda Miata owner. What they failed to mention was the abuse I received from my sisters during their joint speech. It was an absolute roast, 
The best man speech is supposed to be insulting and inappropriate. Wrong. Leave it to the girls. I absolutely love sports and can keep up with sports talk with most men. Because of this love of sports and being the baby and tomboy of the three of us, my sisters used this against me and decided the maid of honor speech would be a bash session. Without getting into all the witticisms, they ultimately cautioned my husband to not be too surprised if he found out I was a man later that night. <laughs> that one hurt, but the guests loved it. After years of constant sports, he's a man. After years of constant sports facts being thrown at me from my husband that he'd claim as his own, I now understand where they were coming from, the Tony Kornheiser Show. I've become a huge fan of the show over the last year, and I do want to thank you for the escape you provided my husband and me during these COVID times, which is a very nice email. I also have two emails, one from Wayne Hickenbottom and one from Brian Cruz, and they both say the same thing, that they talk about the fact that I had abandoned the uh, Bee Gees documentary a little bit too soon. Um, and Wayne Hickenbottom said, how could you talk about the Bee Gees documentary and not mention the cameo by your Aloha Tower partner, Charlie Steiner? And he's in it, because I have since watched all of it. Is he speaking in Spanish? No, he's not. He's speaking in English. Um, only to Jeannie is he speaking in Spanish. See. <laughs> and, and from Brian Stevens, by abandoning the BG documentary, you missed out on seeing Charlie Steiner talking about his time on 99X in New York and comparing the number of BG songs in 1979 to Waves in the Sea. Okay. So I saw Charlie. I wrote Charlie a text about being in this otherwise, I thought, rather turgid and pointless documentary about the Bee Gees. There's not even a narrator. Right. And how happy I was to see him. And I received nothing back. I, I, so I don't know. Maybe it says maybe Tony Kornheiser. I don't know. I received nothing back. And to clarify something else, this is great. I am Graham Van Hook, the guy's holiday card you read on Friday's show. Yeah, my good friend. Wow, I can't believe I made A1 of your show. Your show over the last several years has gotten me through some isolating times. Three deployments in 2020. The connective tissue of this show is amazing. Rufus Peabody and I went to high school together. Not possible. At T.C. Williams. And Andre Webb, the Blue Angel who yelled lechiserie at the Rio Olympics, was a company mate of mine at the Naval Academy. Thank <laughs> you for all the great shows, especially this year. You're correct. You don't know me. Although I did have the privilege of having my picture with you once at Chatter. And Nigel was kind enough to have a couple of my emails get through over the years. Typically, you read holiday cards you receive. And even though this was an odd year, I wanted to press through and let you know that my family's thinking about your family. Again, happy holidays. Know that I will be the first one in line when you do a live show again, hopefully at Clyde's. Hope you had a wonderful Hanukkah, old man. And it's signed, at flank, Graham Van Hook. P.S. I love the Northwestern football talk. Keep it up, keep it up as I'm a graduate of their business school, Go Cats. Does, is there anybody who listens to this show that doesn't know everybody else who listens to this show? <laughs> I mean, honestly, is there anyone? And I need to clarify. You must one. have been pumped about that upset the yeah. other day. Oh. Michigan State? Oh, yeah. Wil Wilbon, I think, watched some of it, but wasn't even all that interested in it because he'd spent... So he doesn't explain how he gets the address that's not even your address. I don't know. I don't know. Here's another one. Here's another one. I, I need to say this, that I, I what I had wrong the other day... I had it wrong that the Binghamton gym collapsed. It wasn't the Binghamton gym. I called Harvey Stanger, the president of the school, and I said, what's the damage to the gym? He says, no, no, it's the Binghamton Athletic Center. We are the Binghamton Events Center. Oh. So, so that, it, all that is is an indoor soccer complex up on the airport road. It's five, ten miles from the school. 
So I don't care that well, they that always went get down. more snow up there. Yeah, I don't care that that went down as long as the now schools. You, you open. may want to check the event center after their weekend versus Stony Brook. Lost both. Ooh, I know, really? lost both to to the hated uh, rival, home home. Stony Brook. Both home games. Yeah, I felt so terrible about that. And apparently, the women went down to Stony Brook and lost both too. I may have that wrong, but our pictures were up, so I'm happy about that. And they were and per- not under snow. And they were visible to anyone who watched on whatever channels these were on. This is from Nate Cleary in Johnson City, New York, where I used to live at 167 Floral Avenue. And he writes, not first time, but long time. I live in Johnson City, which is next to Binghamton and Vestal. Yeah, where you used to live. We do this every time. Yada, yada, yada. (laughs) You lived on Floral. Well, my wife and I live just off Riverside Drive and can see Harvey's office from the top of my street. So I can speak from the front lines of Gail's effect on our town. We sure did get 40 inches in 14 hours. There is literally nowhere to put this snow, much like the event center. My own garage has four feet of snow on top of it, and we are hoping it doesn't collapse, not expecting the best. I'm hoping that the three inches of rain we're expecting on Christmas Eve will help to dispose of this snow, also not expecting the best. So, so I had all those things, and now I guess I should get to the Mike Breen stuff. Michael, could you go get my phone in the other room? Sure. So that I can read this. As Michael knows... I received a text um, three days ago, like a Friday, I guess, on Friday. I received a text from someone claiming to be Mike Breen. Okay? Now, I didn't know if it was Mike Breen. You know, I really didn't know if it was. For the record, the phone was plugged in. Yeah, well, I plugged the phone in. I don't know why that's so terrible. Oh, it's gone. I've lost it. Oh, here it is. No, here it is. Okay. Here's what I received from someone claiming to be Mike Breen, but it is not, it doesn't say Mike Breen on my phone. It gives a number. It gives a phone number. We're making progress. And then this message. To my long-lost friend, Tony, I am both sad and relieved as I text you today. Sad because I never thought of sending you golf balls as a gift. Being an enormous fan of yours for decades, it would have been a wonderful gesture as a way of thanking you for all the years of enjoyment I experienced from your work. Sadly, I never thought to send even a single sleeve of pinnacles. Always, it's a great <laughs> shot. But I'm also relieved because I have sent you text over the years, mostly complimenting you for your stellar work, but I was always puzzled and quite frankly hurt when you never responded to my texts. Never. I feel so much better knowing you didn't deliberately ignore my words of praise. By the way, we have met a number of times, because you remember I said, I don't even know if we've ever met, even though I admire his work. The first time was when Jim O'Connell, better known as The Ock, who was my dearest friend, introduced me to you many years ago. So there you have it. We now need to play a round of golf together and catch up on all the miscommunication these last many years. Best, Mike, in in parenthesis, in quotes, Adam Breen. So now I get this. Now, I don't know. I... I don't know. Is this really Mike Breen or is this Adam Mandel playing another joke on me? Although it couldn't be Adam Mandel because he he would now show up on my phone as Adam Mandel. Not even maybe. He's already in the system. So I do something that I think is the wise thing to do. I text Frankie Nation, who does all the booking when we actually have guests and all the, you know, the the sort of setup work from, from studios that are not downtown in Washington, D.C., Frankie Nation, great Vols fan. And, and I say to Frankie, could you do me a favor? Could you get me a, a home number or a cell number from Mike Breen, particularly if it's a 516 number? I'd like to know it. And he says, okay, I can't do it now, but I'll call Tim Corrigan. And Tim Corrigan 
Tierney Corrigan, who works with us, Tierney's dad, and a great producer on his own right, produces the NBA games. Within 48 hours, Frankie sends me a phone number, and that number matches the phone yeah. number allegedly of Mike Breen. Nassau. So now, yeah, well, Nassau, sure, well, 516 is where I grew up. Um, although Mike Breen, I don't know why he's got a 516 number. I mean, he grew up in the Bronx near Yonkers, and I thought lived in the city, but maybe he lives on Long Island. I don't, I don't know. But so now I am convinced that this is Mike Breen. Now I'd like to find out, does he ever listen to the show? You know, like Mike Breen, as I've said many times, I first became acquainted with Mike Breen's work when he did the news. He did the sports, actually, for Imus. And he was, right, Nigel, hysterically funny. So brilliant. Yes. Hysterically just, funny. Yes, just, I mean, just Just great. Just absolutely great. I, I then found out, which I didn't know, Reality told me he was a graduate of Fordham. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about his background. And then he began to do sports, and I followed some of that. And then ESPN put him on their number one basketball show you know their games with jeff ann gundy and mark jackson and he does a great job so i, I what should i do about this i should i haven't texted him back no, i didn't it, want to do it till i till we i have told people we have this. confirmation we were we were nervous you you were passing the phone around friday evening and the first thing liz assumes she just looks and goes what are the chances you're getting catfished yeah and then they told me i was catfished <laughs> And I didn't even know what that was to be catfished. And then I found out that's what happened to Mante Teo. Situation. Yes. Yeah, who yes. thought he was engaged to a girl. How could you be engaged to someone you've never even met? I mean, what is that? How could you text somebody for a better part of a year? Yeah, but you yeah. can't be in love with them. You don't even know who they are. You've never seen them. This is so odd to me. I'm so old. So, <laughs> so Liz decided I had been catfished. No, but now it seems that you have you have gone through the correct channels and you have confirmation. So now your relationship relationship can fully bloom again. And we just have to see what happens to Adam. Well, I think it would fully bloom for the first time since I I'm unaware. Of well, what the do you, what do you do with these memories where you were so complimentary to Mike over the last couple months? Just well, not to him. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm compliment, but I don't. Again, I don't know if he listens to the show. I don't know what happened. And the other, what is the oddest thing about this? What is the oddest thing? Because Mike Breen is a professional sportscaster, and Adam Mandel is in the money business, and he works with the great Jimmy Dunn. What would be the oddest connection there? Oh yes, they belong to the same golf club on Long Island, and they know each other. How can that be, right, Nigel? How can everybody? Involved in this show on any level knows everybody else. It's the most Graham Van Hook thing. goes to high school with Rufus Peabody. What? Right. right. What? It never right, ceases to amaze. We're done here. Uh, take a break. Uh, Wilbon will join us when we return. Wilbon had, has a lot, a lot of Northwestern stuff to talk about when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So I have a pre-December uh, 25th version of this ad and a post-December 25th version. Today is the 21st, so I'll read the pre. This Christmas, you'll have two ways to experience the epic adventure Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters and on HBO Max on the exact same day, streaming at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers beginning December 25th. Plus, with HBO Max, stream the greatest collection of series, movies, and exclusive Max Originals, all in one place. Discover something new to watch. The Undoing, The Flight Attendant, His Dark Materials, and so much more. I don't know any of those things. Go to hbomax.com or download the app to sign up and start streaming today. 
and uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is the movie. And you're excited about that, right, Nigel? By the way, it's it's PG-13, so just about anybody can watch it. So that's yes, good. very excited about that. that. Yes, yeah. Gal Gadot okay. is um, yeah, she's terrific. Yeah, it's not Gal Gadot; it's Gal Gadot. Gadot. All right, all right, get me out. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Levi Petrie. Who writes, hi, Nigel. Thank you for continuing to give independent artists a chance to be heard on the show. Like many others, our band had to put most of our goals on hold this past year due to the pandemic. We were determined, however, to finish these songs for the holiday season. These are songs of hope and reconciliation that we feel your listeners may be able to identify with, especially this year. This is the Brothers Rock and Roll. Um, and it was inspired by Levi's love for the ever-feuding Gallagher Brothers and the rock band Oasis. It's a tribute to not only them, but bands who've inspired us. Again, this is the Brothers Rock and Roll and playing in Michael Wilbon, who had a busy week because Northwestern, you know, was was playing in the Big Ten Championships. Now, you lost to Ohio State, but you were leading into the second half. It seemed to me that Northwestern distinguished itself, but I know this was hard on you physically and emotionally. Um, you know, Tony, I think we did. I thought we played pretty damn well. I'm not ranting or raving or upset. I wasn't that day. Obviously, I wanted to win that game, um, even with the great odds against my team and in favor of Ohio State. But, you know, we, we two I mean, before this week, we were a school that, before two years ago, we were a school that had never been in the Big Ten championship game. Now we've been in twice in three years. Uh, so this is a monumental thing for us to just be there, and so uh, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's about as nerve wracking. It was. It was for me. It was up there with uh, being that game seven of Cubs Indians. It wasn't as nerve wracking, but it was up there. Um, just to see your school involved in that, but also also not to be be there. I mean, obviously, at different times, I was at the game two years ago. Um, so the, the back and forth of it, the build up, the all that went on to be involved in that game was pretty amazing thing for somebody uh, at our school. So I know you hoped that they would win, but you didn't think that they would win. Was there any time during the game that you allowed yourself to think we're going to win this game? Yeah, we got down in a position where we could have gone up seventeen uh, three. That was the interception. It was 10-3, yeah. right? Yeah. And through the pick in the end zone. At the pick in the end zone, I'm like, ah, you know, it's good. we're going to have to we, – we've got to have a day where we don't turn the ball over, and they do. And, I, look, look, I, I thought we played Justin Fields, who certainly, you know, is going to be – he's an All-American, the Ohio State quarterback. Um, you know, he's going to be drafted very high. And we turned him into – a guy. That's right. Just That's a guy. right. Now we, we, we couldn't we couldn't stop him and the running back too. Uh, and, and how many, he was know, how, many, how many people how many people do? How many teams will do that? So I and I don't know what I don't know what is gonna happen in the semifinal against Clemson. I mean obviously I think Clemson's a better team. Slightly than Ohio State. But you know Tony we it, 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 the weekend ended <laughs> Pretty well. We beat Michigan State and Tom Izzo last night, undefeated and ranked four in the country. And That's a huge win. That's the biggest win game. Chris Collins has ever had, isn't it? No, no. No? In the tournament. In the tournament. The, okay. Our one trip to the tournament. But 
Other than that, yeah. And so, you know, to win that game, it's the first time in 41 years we beat a top-five team. Oh, wow. And the last time we did, Michigan State, a guy named Irvin Johnson. Wow. So that's a, yeah, that's a was, long time. I, I was in school. That's how long ago that was. So you get, but you're getting a New Year's Day bowl. Yeah, we're in the Citrus Bowl. Against, against Auburn, against Auburn, right? against Auburn, yeah. The Chucks are okay. to have some sort of public bet. So, so yeah, that's, yeah, you should do that. Now, there, for whatever good, there's always a little bad that comes with whatever good. And the little bad may be this, that Pat's Fitch, Pat Fitzgerald, who is your football coach, your distinguished alumnus, and a local boy from Chicago, is now reported to be sought, at least for interviews, by at least two NFL teams. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, Tony, look, you, we discussed this on this quality program when you said to me, I don't know, a month ago, you said, listen, you know, there's going to come, they're going to come a situation here where there's a job where he won't just be able to say, no, 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 I want to stay at alma mater. That's right. You mentioned the Bears at the time. We, we just sort of, we were talking about it in theory. And I don't know what the, you know, the, the, the Bears situation. I, look, if the Bears offered Pat a job, that job, the, the, I mean, that's, he's been a Bears fan longer than he's been a Northwestern guy. Same here, by the way. Um, it's a dynamic that I don't know what would happen. Um, I certainly don't want to lose our coach. and I don't think he's ready to jump at any offer, but it's not any offer when it's an NFL team. So it, these are pretty nervous times for us right now. We just lost our athletic director, um, who I have thought for a while is the best, best AD in, in the country. Um, just given, you know, given some of the things that, that we've been able to do, these these conversations you and I have, you know, on Monday morning about the situation that a, a, a small, the only private school, by far the smallest school in the Big Ten, which is what we are, the, the fact that we're in the kind of big-time athletic situation we are, that's, that's a credit to the AD. Yes, the president of, of the university and other people, donors and supporters, all that, but you start with your athletic director. And we lost to the ACC. So to lose him and to lose Pat Fitzgerald in the same couple of weeks would be, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's testimony, but it's also a huge blow. If it happens, I don't know. Let me get to the Bears, because the Bears, for the second week in a row, won a game. Pretty good team they played, conference team, uh, division team that they played. In hindsight, was Foles a mistake, and do you still want to fire Nagy? Foles was a mistake, but even bringing Foles in was a mistake, because they traded... They, they, they spent the highest pick they've had. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the Bears having a, a one in my life. They had a three and a four was Butkus and Sayers. A three and a four. Well, they spent a pick that high on Trubisky. A two? And then he doesn't want – right, and, and other picks. Yeah, yeah. And he, doesn't want to, he didn't want to coach him. He wanted to coach somebody else, and he was kept looking around. And so they bring in Foles, who is, you know, he's a he's a he's a he's a bullpen guy. He can bridge you during an injury. Foles is that guy. Foles should be that guy. And Nagy wanted 
want to throw Trubisky out. And so my anger, Tony, has always been, you, I'm sorry, you, you were hired as the coach of the Bears to coach this quarterback. That quarterback was drafted before you were hired. Your job is to coach him. And so Nagy spent two-plus two years not wanting to coach him, looking everywhere he could for someone else to coach. Now he's got to coach him because his job is on the line. He's in trouble, and he knows it. And, he, and, he, and, and because he's got a running back, because some people thought, you know what, they drafted a running back who's pretty damn good. Let's see him. No. The, the Bears have like the fewest, the third fewest rushing attempts or something like that going into yesterday. And they got a guy who put up a buck 50 essentially yesterday. Terrific young back. So that's, those are the big reasons I wanted him fired. And you know what? If, if, if it's only your job security that motivates you to do the right thing, you can't do the right thing as a coach. I, I still want him fired. But I understand the Bears are not going to fire him if they make the playoffs. No. And they, you, no. You know, but they're still going to beat the Packers. Yeah, I, so, it depends on how they close. It does. I, I, I would, what, Tony, if he can't beat the Packers, then I'd fire him anyway. Well, you want to fire him anyway. You do want the to arrogance, fire him. The arrogance that is involved with a guy who, again, other players – People who have, people know who know him and like him have said, uh, "Yeah, he didn't want to coach Trubisky." Well, then get out if you don't want to coach him. I'm still angry about that. But if they they won a game, uh, I ask, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of dominoes. There's a, there's a there's an enormous uh, ripple that will affect all kinds of people. So uh, there knows? was maybe including Pat yeah. Fitzgerald. Yesterday, there was a thousand great games and a thousand great endings, and you can never get to them all. And when you choose the three or four games you want to talk about on the PTI show because you have a limited amount of space, things get left out. A game that will definitely get left out is Houston-Indianapolis. But the end of that game, when that guy's going in, he's going to score. He's going to score. He's at the end zone. He's going to score the tying touchdown and it's punched out like that was that and we'll never get to that there's no chance because the teams don't matter but that was yesterday there was a million games that came down to the last play yeah it really were it might have been the might have been the best sunday and then you had oh it's great you know you had the the game that uh was involving you know a, a potential super bowl matchup with the chiefs and saints Yep. There were yes, there were a lot of games that that, that came down to it. The Philadelphia Arizona game comes down to the end. You know, Hertz is, yeah, is throwing hail right. marys at the end. And there's like four that's games right. that are throwing hail marys. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, because teams are still there. Look, I know people want to crown Kansas City already. I'm not crowning them. They well, they look good to me. Bad. No, but they beat everybody. They beat everybody. Okay, well, they do. I mean, you think you, you know, think they're going to get upset in the playoffs, right? I think if they play like this, they're going to lose. Yeah. Like they're playing now or have played all season. They're spectacular. They're great. They are. They are not they're beyond. They're not beyond somebody's a. You know, not even a plus. They're not. They're not beyond somebody putting throwing an A game at them and them losing. I don't think they are. I mean, we've seen. We saw the Patriots lose twice where we didn't think they'd lose. Don't tell me that Kansas City can't lose. No, they can. Uh, I just, I just totally reject that. No, they, so, they absolutely you know, can. 
What what do you make of now? I now have seen on SportsCenter a number of times, and I didn't realize this for some reason. I didn't know that this was the tiebreaker. Jacksonville now. Jacksonville is in position to draft Trevor Lawrence, who is great. He, you had that first. Feels about that. He 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 doesn't. He's from there. Looked at the Jets and just thought. But I mean, he must. So two, I guess about two questions. Yeah, two questions suggest themselves. He's we sort of. I don't know what his preference is. He's from Georgia, which is close to Jacksonville, but maybe he wanted New York City. But the larger question is. Did the Jets, I mean, do you think that players want to win? It's so hard to go 0-16 and 16-0. and 0. It's so hard. Do you think they wanted to win? And do you of think course. that ownership said, oh, I hope they don't win? Um, I got to think. Players, half those players aren't going to even be there to play with whoever's chosen. Right. The debt roster is going to turn over like you can't believe particularly if they have a new coach, and they've got to. And they will. They will have a new so, coach. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't believe it. You know, the tank stuff, is that's, that's for other people. Uh, management, I mean, sure. I mean, what, the, even though they just spent a, a high pick on a quarterback, whatever. What is this, his third season? Yeah, he's not that good, Darnold. He's, he's, not. he's not that good. No. Nope. He's not that good. And so, I, look, and, and I don't know. I don't know that, that the Clemson kid would turn their fortunes immediately. We've seen a lot of great players come in from college and, and be unable to turn an awful situation in the, in, in the pros, no matter what That's the right. sport is. That's right. So, no, 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 no. The players can't pay any attention to that. I mean, out of that, 40, out of that 53-man roster yesterday, how many of those guys are going to be gone when they tee it up again next season with whoever they pick in the draft? I, I mean, maybe 20 are gone? Those guys can't know that they're going to be around. So I would ask you this. Go ahead. But, you know, it's too bad for the rest of us who have to. Sorry, I know that's your team. Whoever watched the Jets squander a a, a real promise. The The kid, you know, if you're the league... Do you want him in Jacksonville or New York? Come on, you want him in New York. Of course you want him in New York. Sure you do. No question. Sure you do. Here's a question that I have, and, and this... I ask you this because it's your division and you pay attention. I have watched Matthew Stafford for years. I think he's great. He throws the ball so well. They never win. What, is, am I wrong? Is he not that great? Do you feel the no, same way about him? No, he's not great at all. He's not great. He has moments. Tony, we, we, we do this every week with certain NFL players. If he can only do this every <laughs> he can't. week, he can't. He can't. That's the rub. He can't do it every week. Right. Matthew right. Stafford's had what nine seasons, something like that. Yes. Is he, is yes. he the highest paid? Is he the highest paid quarterback in the league? Not anymore, but he was. Well, he was for okay, a couple of years. He's, he's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, no, he's not that great because not- he's going to throw the oh my god, Jay Cutler soul sucking pick, <laughs> yeah, or he's just- going to fumble it. Or his yeah. teammates aren't good enough, or it's something. No, he's not great. I, this is funny that you say this because yesterday, again, it, it is a division, and it's something I pay attention to. I'm and watching him. He looks great. Look, he's better than any quarterback the Bears have had, other than Jim McMahon. Oh yeah, in the last forty years. Oh, and, yeah, and Matthew sure. says to me, Dad, how come the Lions aren't better? Because you know he's really good, and I go, Matthew, he's not really good. He must not. He's be. not. 
He's not. He, he, and by, again, I'm not blaming it all on him. You got plenty of blame to go around in Detroit. But Matthew Stafford's not. He's not great. And and so so many of the people that we praise, we I don't mean you and I. I just mean, you know, today we're going to hear about so and so. Every time a team wins like two or three games, the team wins three out of four. Well, look at that guy. They're they're pretty good. They can make a run. No, no, they can't. There's one quarterback in that division. His name is Rogers. Just yeah, one. he's the best. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. He's really good. And he didn't even yeah. have a great day. He didn't need a great day. You know, he didn't need no, a great day. No, he didn't. But he, you can say, well, suppose he plays like this every week. You can say that. He's the only one. And there's not even, you know, there's, there's four or five guys you know, who are like that. That you would say, okay, I'll cast my lot with him no matter what. You know, because the coaching is good enough. The teammates are good enough. The circumstances are good enough. But the number of guys that's true about is just it's not many. Not no. as many as you're going to hear the analysts proclaim. No, no, you're right. Exaggeration Monday morning where they love them all. You know, yeah. and they're, no. they're not all that good. You're 100% right. All right, I'll talk yeah. to you later. Thank you, all thank right, you. Don't. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. Um, when we return, Chuck Culpepper will join us, and we will do a deep dive into the college football playoffs. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Hey, everyone. This new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. You know, it does, and I'm going to miss Michael. Michael's going, you're going to... You're guilting me. Well, no, I'm not guilty. I'm just going to say I'm going to miss you. (laughs) I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest to how to make sourdough bread, which you can. I I made one last night, and I was going to bring you the leftovers, and I forgot it. Oh, okay. Take it down with you to, to South Carolina. To how excited we are that football's back. And trust me, that last one's important. The Washington football team, for example, yesterday, a very credible showing. One drive away. Very credible showing, except that quarterback is mm. not great yet. I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport, especially now since she's reduced the backyard to total mud. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still have not had, your financial plans. So do find time to talk to your loved ones about it. Because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start your conversation at LincolnFinancial.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Levi Petrie again, P-E-T-R-E-E. This is called This May Be the Year. He says this is about taking your lumps while keeping faith something good is right around the corner. 2020 has given us our share of gut punches, yet we remain optimistic. Here's to a better 2021 for all. Um, You can find his music on Bandcamp, right? Everybody's got it. What is a Bandcamp site? Everybody's got that, right? Music is very good. Michael, if people like Levi Petri want to send in their original music how do they do it he's very good send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com wow there's a little bit of bob seger in this yeah this is pretty good this is pretty good and he plays in chuck culpepper of the washington post who has been busy 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 with college basketball and college football but mostly college football so we start with the overarching question and i and i don't do this very often I was appointment viewing yesterday at 12 noon bothered me so much that it took till 1220 for them to release the top four. And then they released the top three. 
which everybody knew was going to be the top three. And then it was a question of would it be Notre Dame or would it be Texas A&M? Are you, Chuck, are you okay? A lot of questions are going to be, are you okay with X and Y? Are you okay with the final four? Oh, I'm okay with it because if I'm sitting there in the committee room and I look at those four teams, I do say they're the best. I'm, I'm worried for the sport. I'm, I think the sport's in trouble because it's not uh, producing much variety. And four programs have taken 20 of the 28 playoff berths so far, and only 11 have taken the 28. Now, only 13 took the last 28 BCS berths, but those were spread out over 14 years. But I think there's, a, there's an issue going on with these big programs. Uh, I think it's bigger than the playoff. It's not the committee's fault, any of the committees. And I think a lot of it has to do with, well, now you have all, if you look in the NFL and just, does everybody in it, did everybody play at Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State? It just seems like that sometimes. And I think the recruits are seeing it that way. And from far and wide, they're going to those places. You know, Ohio State just got a big receiver from, he grew up on the Puget Sound, you know, and um, and, and a big quarterback who's, who had committed to Texas and is from Austin is now going there. Clemson's getting Californians. Something's going on there. I think that threatens the sport. It's, you know, it's the same old teams and and I think it's going to be another Alabama Clemson final. Okay. So I'm going to take the other side of this and I'm going to say that essentially what this is, is a television show. And so if you tell me the ratings are going down, I'll tell you that the sport is in trouble, but if the ratings are not going down, I don't think it's in trouble. Are the ratings going down to your knowledge? Oh, that's fair. That's fair. They, they, I don't think that you can say they've gone down yet. I just worry that right. it's, it's going to reach that point. I think it needs an infusion of if maybe USC or, or to a lesser degree Oregon, but I just think those sort of cross-regional uh, battles were one of its strong points, and we're losing those. I agree with this completely. I agree. Uh, I just, I chalk this one up, and maybe I'm being short-sighted. I chalk this one up to the coronavirus and the tremendously deleterious effect on the scheduling this year. Uh, I, I agree. I, I, you know, so go ahead. I agree with that, and I, and I sat around the last, uh, what has it been, 20 hours or so, looking at how mad people are and kind of thinking, A, are we being good citizens if we're if we're expending anger on this, you know? And B, I mean, should we just give it a one-off and then get mad again next year? Yeah, yeah, I think you should get mad again next year. I think anger. I think people that are fueled by anger, especially fans, I find them attractive on a lot of levels. Except I don't want them near me physically, but I like <laughs> their anger. Um, I, I want to get to two things that happened, and I understand that you can lobby for your school, um, Jimbo Fisher lobbied for Texas A&M saying they can play with everybody and took the customary shot at Ohio State just saying, hey, we played 11 games or whatever we played and, you know, what did they play? Which, And I understand that. How was that viewed in the universe of coaches? And then I want to get to Brian Kelly's, to me, amazing remarks before he even played Clemson. Absolutely amazing. But let's start with, start with Jimbo Fisher. I think that... That Ohio State number of games campaign, well, that became a whole uh, fashion, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. among these coaches. Uh, Sweeney did it. 
Yep. Um, I don't think Saban did it as, as much, but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that became a whole, a whole thing to say. And it was a sort of persuasive argument against them. Um, you can look at them and tell that they, you know, can beat most anybody, but, you know, I think, um, I, by the time Fisher was saying it, uh, I was kind of maybe a bit weary of the, of hearing the, that school of thought, you know, it just, it, 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 it was get, getting worn out then at that point. And then uh, I agree that Kelly's comments were absolutely stunning. And, well, and for people that don't know this, Brian Kelly said before he played Clemson, I don't even know if we're going to go to a bowl game if the parents of the kids can't be there. And I thought, what gall? I mean, if I was the president of Notre Dame, I'd have called him up and I said, are you making policy for this school? Is, is that your job? Because we pay you a lot to be a football coach and not to be a policymaker. I was stunned by that, Chuck. Stunned. Stunned. I was, I was too. I just, it, to me, it just, I have this feeling that, like, I'm in favor of people having, adults having voting rights, but I, I think <laughs> it should be limited somewhat and that college football coaches could, should be excluded from that from having, <laughs> because they are so oblivious how do you sit there at this moment in american history and say that we have this huge worry because the parents aren't going to be able to watch it's an outrage that they aren't going to be able to watch their their offspring in the rose bowl yeah i just i just couldn't believe it if i was on that committee i'd have bounced him for a and m because i think i would have justification now to be fair I felt he wouldn't be bounced because Florida only went down one spot when they lost to LSU. And losing to Clemson is a greater accomplishment than losing to LSU. So I thought he might still get in. But I'd have bounced him. Because how dare you How dare you make public policy like that for your university? And what are you talking about? Right? I mean, I'm, I'm happy to know you were as outraged as I was on that. I, I really oh, just I, thought, I just, huh. Yeah, and, 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 and then... It's clear from the remark that he, if there's entitlement laced in there too. It's clear that he thinks, uh, he, he, I think he thought his team was better than it was, maybe, and yeah. it showed to be on Saturday night. And, yeah. and this is the other thing. He's one of the most, he's one of the more thoughtful guys out there. To listen to him after a game is often a, uh, you know, you, you learn more than from just about any of them. But, that, yeah, that, which added compounded my surprise at that comment yeah can i suggest that trevor lawrence is a beast he is uh, he's really really good he if somebody else gets the heisman i'm just gonna say you're not watching you're not really watching are you am i wrong on lawrence he's really good oh and it's it's like watching something that you it's a level that's a notch above what you've ever seen maybe you know it's it's just it's evolution. It's all those things. It's, uh, you know how sometimes they give an Oscar for, it's not really for the film that, um, that, that, that they're giving it for, but it's kind of a lifetime nod to a person. Yeah. Paul Newman, Paul Newman got one of those. Paul Newman, yeah. Al Pacino yeah. got one of those. Yeah. Uh, and, or maybe it's one they were great last year, but we couldn't give it to him last year. So we're, we're, we're going to do it this year because we had to give it to Joe Burrow last year. We had to, had to, but, had to, yeah, had to. But I say this, this is a lifetime achievement Oscar Heisman time. And That's I good agree to hear. That he should, 
He should. Yeah, and, and you know, he's out two games this year because coronavirus, so that's going to – I think it's going to cost him the award probably. But this is the time where you should just – Meryl Streep, Iron Lady, the whole thing, and give him the, you know, <laughs> give him the thing. Um, a lot of, uh, we're on ESPN2 this week while we're on, because ESPN, of course, has all these bowl games, my favorite being, if it still exists, the Bad Boy Mower Bowl. I really like that. I'd like to get a Bad Boy Mower myself for free. If somebody would give it to me. Um, but there are all these bowls, but there's a lot of schools opting out of bowls how does that affect the money that's been allocated? Or I mean, is that a story? The it seems to me the sort of large number of teams opting out of bowls. So some of them have opted out because the players vote that way, and some of the teams vote unanimously, and some, you know, don't. So, but they but they end up voting that way, majority. And then some of them opt out, like Kansas State wanted to play one, but couldn't because they had positive tests uh-huh. and it was going to they didn't want to renege at the last moment so they had to had to go ahead and and get out you know um it's i think the most interesting thing about it is that to me it really gives you a sense of what this toll must have been on these players it's almost you know they play for the reward of a bowl a lot of times yes. and I've always been amazed, you know, how they'll go to, you know, they'll go to say that, you know, that bowl in Phoenix has had seven different names. It was Copper. It was Insight. It was Cheez-It. It was Cactus. <laughs> it's, it's astonishing. Now it's up to Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Now it's been canceled. Yesterday it got canceled. But players will go to these bowls and, you know, we belittle them and we think they're naughty and but that they, it just matters to them. It really does. When you see them there, it's just kind of like, okay, okay, I get it. So to have them vote their way out, say, as Boston College did, really tells you, you know, what this has been for them and, and how their kind of isolation, we've all had isolation, but their kind of isolation was a strange one, you know, not being able to socialize on campus and so on. And, um, <clears throat> and they're, they're so young. I think it just really <clears throat> it tells me how much it has worn on them. By the way, feel free to disagree with me, but spare me the agony over the Rose Bowl not being played. I mean, stop it. It's not even the Rose Bowl. It's part of this playoff at this point. It is the Rose Bowl in name only, and California you know, has a severe coronavirus up and down again so that the Rose Bowl won't be played. So what? Or am I, am I reacting badly to this? No, that is the single worst thing that has happened this year in the uh no you're exactly right it should be way 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 down our list of laments at this point yeah i mean they're not they're not going to have the rose bowl parade which is far more important than the rose bowl game (laughs) and and watched by far more people it would seem to me over the course of the three or four hours speaking of which the pac-12 they're you were saying you were saying before maybe a good oregon team the pac-12 in basketball and in football this guy, Larry Scott, maybe it's not his fault, but they've gone into the ground since he's the commissioner. Into the ground. Am I wrong on that? No, they do seem to do. They just do seem to have a clunky air about them. You know, for, for um, yeah, they seem to get so many things wrong or so many missteps. Um, 
just, yeah, they've, and, and some of it is cultural, I think. Some of it is, with, especially with football. I mean, I know the California high school football numbers are supposedly a little bit up over our recent years. But, you know, our, 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 it just means more is the SEC's slogan, and I think there's some truth to it. And, and you know, you'll notice that the, the Pac-12 was the last one to start playing, which yeah. could have been just completely – a responsible posture, a responsible posture, you know, in the, sure. in the climate. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I wonder if some of it is, but it did tell us how, you know, the SEC, it, playing football was more urgent for the SEC than it was for the Pac-12. And I wonder if that kind of feeds into how far it's dropped as well. Well, at least the Pac-12 isn't pious like the Big Ten, which will, under the cover of darkness, change every single rule that they have made when they make the rules saying all we care about is science and safety. But you know, we can make a little more money if we do it this way, right? I mean, the Big Ten, stop. I mean, stop. They had a tough time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Chuck, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll talk before Thank the you. championship and, game, I hope. Okay, I hope so, too. Thank you, Tony, so much. Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls, we'll take a break. We will be back with email and jingles. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Hey, football fans. Are you an Amazon Prime member? This holiday weekend, Amazon Prime Video is the place to watch the NFL Live with back-to-back games. On Friday, Christmas Day, the Vikings take on the Saints in an NFL Christmas special. An NFL Christmas special. Will Charlie Brown introduce the teams? That would be so much fun. Fall over, kicking the football. Yeah. Then on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. As soon as the first guy goes to kick off, the football is taken away by Lucy or whoever that works. Then on Saturday, the 49ers face the Cardinals in a divisional showdown only on Prime Video. Ooh. Only on Prime Video. Ooh. I don't have that. Not an Amazon Prime member. You're reading my mind. Don't worry. Sign up for a 30-day free trial. And you'll get both games. We're That's a it. good idea. Yeah. And you can catch all the action on any device except pots and pans, almost anywhere in the world. So this holiday weekend, relax, tune in, and enjoy the NFL on Prime Video. Friday, Vikings Saints. Saturday, 49ers Cardinals. Coverage begins at 4 p.m. Eastern for both games with kickoff at 4.30, both on Prime Video. And, of course, it's presented by Bud Light Platinum. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag with your faxes and notes. Tell Nigel to thank Bethesda Bagels and read all the smart, funny little emails. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's the end of the show. Is that Mark Schaefer? Who's no, that? No, that's not. That is, um, oh, I've got it here in front of me. It is Bill Gott. Okay. Bill Gott? Yes. It's very, very nice. Yes. It's very, very nice. I appreciate that. Why don't you do the Bethesda Bagel there? Uh, I got the, the, okay, do the it. bagelry today. Yes, Bethesda Bagel. <laughs> the one we go to is at 4819 Bethesda Avenue. Oh, today was a big day for us, Bagel Sandwich Day. Yeah, five. I'd like, I'd like to apologize for my behavior in the line. There is some confusion. <laughs> uh, I also got some bonus bagels for the road as an apology. So, yes, Bethesda Bagels. Uh, by the way, it could be that Levi Petri, it, that is banned, is called the Radio Publica. 
there was a second page here that I didn't see. It Levi might be, Petri. It might be Levi huh? Petri and the Radio Publica. I think and the Radio Publica. Okay, yeah, his music was very, very good. Yes, yes, That'll just about do it for us today. Let me just say this before the mailbag. If you knew Peggy Sue, then you'd know why I feel blue without Peggy, my Peggy Sue. I love you, gal. Yeah, I love you, Peggy Sue. That was the late great Buddy Holly, of course. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsor, Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max starting Christmas Day. That's Friday. Amazon Prime with NFL games on Christmas Day and then the day after. And Lincoln Financial. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get you the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Michael, you're going to play some golf, I hope. Oh, I'm hoping every day. So, yeah. So at Chichassee and Oldfield? Yes. Oh, well, that would be, be great. The weather's supposed to be good in South Carolina? The weather's supposed to be beautiful. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, every once in a while, I'll call your dad. He'll well, be miserable. Again, three to six months ago, every single day I saw you. Dad, maybe you should try and plan for a safe way to enjoy your winter. I just, I just want you to be. I want you to. I'm trying to be responsible. I know. In my, I just in felt. My, I felt overwhelmed by you know by the virus. I'm just going to stay I here. I totally understand. Just going to stay here. Uh, from Tim in New Jersey, wife, what would you like for Christmas? Me, I'd like Tony to read my email and exclaim it is a brilliant email. Wife, isn't this the guy who talks to a monkey and does a half hour on his gas bill? Me, yeah. Wife, doesn't that Simmons guy do emails? As always, any mention of my wife's scorn is brought to you by Lifetime, where revenge is served one gazebo at a time. Uh, Jamie Edwards, you mentioned the death of John le Carré and how British spy novel genre seems to have died with the end of the Cold War. A couple of years ago, I read an Economist article, which unfortunately I'm not able to locate, that talked about the history of British spies who became British spy novelists. If I recall the article correctly, during the Cold War, British spies were masters of human psychology and behavior. They had to read people, build relationships, decide who to trust, and so forth. Studying English literature was good preparation for this line of work, so many British spies were English majors and thus good writers. Today, most of those experts in English and humanities have been replaced again, if I remember this correctly, by people with quantitative backgrounds, mathematicians, computer engineers, the sort of people who can electronically hack into an enemy's information system while sipping tea in the basement in London. Necessary for national security, though this transition may be, the switch from literature folks to math geeks means we may never again get the sort of great spy novels we once did. Isn't that a great email? That's that really, really great. Is. And from Nick Milkey in Montgomery, Alabama, per your discussion earlier this week about John le Carré, I was reminded of a series to recommend you to watch during the winter while you're being snowed in due to Kevin's perfect forecast. You need to watch The Night Manager, which is a six-episode BBC miniseries starring Tom Huddleston. I, I watched three of them, and then for some reason I stopped. It's fantastic, and you can get it on Amazon Prime, which means you can watch Le Carre on your Le Crusette while you eat ice cream and drink wine over the kitchen sink. Do it now, Grandpa. Thank me later. From Steve the Sycophant, I'm sorry to so slightly, very slightly disagree with your comments about the late, great John Le Carre. He did not serve with the UK's version of the Secret Service. He served first with M15, which is, or it is MI5, maybe, MI5. which is somewhat, yes. MI5, which Can is somewhat analogous to our FBI, later served with MI6, like our CIA. As for the best film versions of his novels, look up the 1979 TV version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy starring Alec Guinness and the 2001 movie The Tailor of Panama, with Pierce Brosnan playing a womanizing slimeball agent 180 degrees away from his suave 007 roles. Uh, from Pat Telfer in Martinsville, Saskatchewan, this past week, I was listening to the show when I had my second David Aldridge moment. You read an email from Lance Morrison from Dinsmore, Saskatchewan, and I thought, I know that guy. I worked with Lance, and we've kept in touch through high school athletics in the province. We've known each other for more than five years, but didn't know the other person was a little. 
The first was when I heard you read a letter from Sean Bellamy of Saskatoon earlier in the year, and I said the same thing. I know that guy. Sean and I have known each other for about 20 years, but we also didn't know we were littles. I don't know how many other littles there are in this province, but maybe there are a few more out there. I'd like to meet them, but I'll be honest. I don't want to meet people. It's not just a COVID thing. That's funny. That's very funny. <laughs> Did anybody out there in Saskatchewan go to school with Rufus Peabody? Um, from William Bennett. Uh, the director of the official choir of the Tony Corners show, that's Cane Bay High School in South Carolina. While hanging out with my kids tonight, they watched a Minecraft gameplay video. Don't ask. The game user said, I have my iron farm working. Without missing a beat, I, replies, everyone, I replied, everyone knows the best steel is grown in Sweden. My daughter exclaimed, what? And the woman to whom I'm related by marriage just shook her head and said, poor Mr. Tony. Priceless. One more time here. Rocky Rakovic, and he's been with us for a long time from Jersey yeah, City here. Jumping on the Jimmy Breslin anecdotes, I was lucky enough to spend some time with him when I was a young editor at a magazine. Do you remember magazines? In the same way that he was handy with a big pen, Jimmy really knew how to work an expense account. Out of the blue, he would call me up and tell me when and where we were going to lunch. Always a diner, though. He always went to diners. Jimmy would order a tuna melt and then talk at me for the next 45 minutes, hitting me with ink-filled stories, none of it for public consumption, of writing about the mob and shrapnel of his half-chewed tuna salad. It was worth it. <laughs> there was one time we were walking up Lexington Avenue. Jimmy stopped to lecture um, uh, in front of a stroller and yelled into it, you're lazy. I pulled him back and said, Jesus, Jimmy, that's just a toddler. He answered, when I was his age, I had to walk everywhere. <laughs> Nobody pushed Jimmy Breslin around. You're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always. Do wear white. Why do I want to puke? <laughs> Don't you know where you come from? You can leave it all behind There's enough for the two of us But I'd still give you mine Count all the things that we've been through Soon you're out of room yeah, I know that you whisper lies When you're Speaking your truth
have not seen you for some time. Mother says you're well. As for me, well, I'm doing fine. I guess there's nothing much to tell. Well, I'll be round on Christmas Day, but don't expect a gift. But I'll bring those old guitars and I'll show you. Finally talk to my old friend Been in New York for a while Looking for a win So good to hear his voice But I could tell he'd changed in the years about his choices he said I'm going home man these people are too cold I think I'll get to know my family before we're too old how about you what's life looking like these days Said like him, I feel there's a change coming my way. Old flames died off, I guess these things have to burn out. But in defiance, I'm better off alone, I think I can do without. Thinking this may be the year Left the city for a while I got lost trying to find my way through Country at night Saw church upon the hill For the first time Just for the thrill, I said, lead me to water, Lord, I'll drink your cup, 
I guess it's time I should sign off Seems you found what's important to you Hey, maybe that'll rub off Hey, I miss your old friend And I'll be pulling for you here in my heart There's a dream still out there for us Looking for a start Maybe there's a girl Maybe we'll stop choosing out of fear I'm making the call This may be This may be 